0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, hi, I'm Bill. I'm a presenter a member of the Living Free Show's production team. As you're probably already aware, each February, 3CR has a subscriber drive to help cover the costs of running the station. Including living free, there are more than 120 shows on 3CR each week. Thanks to over 400 volunteers who help out at 3CR. This year, 3CR subscriber drive is special because we're feeling the ongoing financial impacts of the COVID-19 restrictions. But as part of the independent community media, 3CR is more important than ever and we hope you can show your support by becoming a 3CR subscriber in 2021. Like presenters and production teams on other shows, the Living Free team were very adroit during early 2020, moving quickly to record and produce our shows from home. This wasn't a small undertaking, and like other presenters, we became familiar with and possibly obsessed over the sound quality of our microphones, the capabilities of our sound editing software, and finding alternative sources for our music. We had to master Zoom for recordings, new sound editing software, and many of us had to purchase additional microphones and recording hardware. The 3CR staff did their bit by providing support, plus quickly arranging online training about home recording and sound editing techniques. We made it through 2020 very successfully, managing to produce high quality shows at home and delivering these to the studios for broadcast through newly established upload interfaces. The Living Free Show slogan, Shared Stories Saves Lives, highlights what we offer to our recovery community. As lockdown impacted most face-to-face 12-step meetings, we were able to continue to offer the Living Free Show as a recovery resource. We even had the added benefit of being able to supplement our local guests with interstate and overseas guest speakers via Zoom, and to share our local voices with the world through our extensive Living Free Show podcast catalogue. We did the hard yards in 2020, but now we definitely need your support to help 3CR and to keep our unique stories on air for another year. We have the energy, but you have the power. Make sure you're part of ensuring 3CR continues. Please subscribe today. You can subscribe online if you go to the 3CR website which is 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Alternatively, you can call the station on 03 9419 8377 and press 1 to subscribe over the phone. Also, thanks to those of you who have already subscribed in 2021 for your financial support and for your commitment to keeping 3CR on air. Thanks again. Back to our normal program. Uh, Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio. 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assists recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. Today, my guest is an alcoholic recovering with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, we'll be discussing how Alcoholics Anonymous helps alcoholics and problem drinkers. Uh, today, my guest is Jane. Uh, Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Now, Jane, we usually talk about uh, growing up and family and things that influenced you and and what sort of put you on the path to to alcoholism. What was life like for you in your family growing up?
1: Okay, I was born into an alcoholic home. It was not a violent alcoholic home, but it was a lot of drinking and every occasion there was a lot of alcohol around. And it goes back right from my parents to my grandparents on both sides of the family. And it always revolved around alcohol. But I do remember some of the parties and Christmases would end up in some type of argument, but not violent, but there was always anger in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, there's usually a lot of misunderstandings when there's alcohol around. Uh, I'm not sure why. Yeah, so families get pretty fragile when there's a bit of friction. So did you have brothers and sisters?
1: Yes, I have one brother who, like myself, had addictions in early teens with drugs and then we both actually relied heavily on alcohol because we'd finished that phase of the drugs in our lives and alcohol just seemed to be the norm.
0: So what was it like growing up for you? When did you first think that Alcohol was a solution
1: Wow, I do remember my first drink, and I would have been around about the age of thirteen or fourteen and it was a blackberry nip, and I remember that feeling of wow, warmth, comfort, ease. I do believe I got reasonably drunk and then thinking wow, when can I do that again? When can I get that feeling again?
0: So what did the feeling make you think of?
1: It made me feel quite confident. It gave me this feeling of almost like an outer body experience of, wow, who is this person? Who is this confident person who can be the life of the party and laugh and do silly things and people like me and laugh. It was, was a fabulous feeling.
0: So what was it like before that then?
1: Were you a shy kid? I was shy, but I was quite silly, wanting perhaps attention, I believe, looking back now. And wanting to be liked by a lot of my peers in primary school, high school, I didn't realise that people really did like me, but I had this misconception they didn't. And when the alcohol kicked in, again, it was just, it was just great. Knowing what I know now, being sober, I am still a really funny, likeable person. But back then it was very different, very different.
0: So how did you start drinking? Was it with friends?
1: Absolutely, yes, with friends.
0: So what did you do?
1: It was usually at parties when I was a teenager being allowed to go to parties And perhaps the blue light disco, and the school functions that we had, I believe on one or two school camps, somebody sneaked a bottle of something in. I don't remember that, but then pouring it into a a can of Coca Cola, and then away we went.
0: Sounds terrific. (laughs) (laughs) So. Did your parents know you were drinking? Did they care?
1: I don't think they knew. I really don't think they knew. I don't think they... Yeah, I I can say that with honesty and conviction. They didn't know. It was well hidden from them. But it wasn't really until after I had left home, and I left home at the age of 21 and i moved in with um my boyfriend believe it or not who is still <laughs> I'm married to him today that we just partied hard really hard we we played hard and fast and a lot of alcohol was consumed so it went from parties where i would go to bed with that dizzy dizzy feeling and feeling really unwell that had soon passed. And then it went to just blackout drinking. It was incredible the way that the alcohol just took over. It just completely took over.
0: A lot of people don't really understand a blackout. So do you want to talk about what a blackout is for a drinker?
1: Yes. <clears throat> a blackout is an elusive drink that you're always trying to chase to get that feeling of comfort and ease and then having periods of an evening or a day that you just don't remember. You wake up and you think, I have no idea what happened. It's a terrible feeling. It's a feeling that I will never ever go back to because it scares the life out of me today. and and you don't know what you've done, you don't know what you've said, and then your mind starts to play tricks on you when you look back or try and remember what happens. Yes, it, it was it was horrific, but um, blackout drinking is is nasty.
0: So, what sort of things did your friends tell you you did that you didn't remember?
1: Wow, uh, in the early days of my drinking, or the latter?
0: Oh, yeah, stay in the early, yeah,
1: yeah. In the in the early days, um, I would wake up the next morning, perhaps somewhere that I didn't know I had been or where I was. And they would say, oh, gee, Jane, you were the life of the party last night, but then why did you have an argument with so-and-so? And And I would say, huh? No, that wasn't true at all. And they'd say, well, it, it was. You were swearing and carrying on or you just snuck off and went to bed. We didn't know where you were. We were worried about you. Uh, I may have left a party and walked down the street to another suburb or around to another party or left the pub and perhaps fell asleep in the bushes because I was so paralytic, paralytically drunk.
0: That doesn't sound good. So did anything terrible happen to you in that state?
1: Look, to be honest, it may have it may have, and I really don't remember there could have been times where I was in danger, perhaps being with different um people or strangers from the parties that I had left with, not knowing who they were, so i don't <clears throat> I don't really don't think anything really bad seriously bad happened to me as in violence or anything like that but I could have I would have been in danger of going with strangers.
0: So what about your boyfriend was he a protection for you?
1: Yes he was he is a heavy drinker when we were when we were dating um, I think everybody really was about the same as I was we were all pretty well blind drunk, that we didn't know what we were doing. But then as we sort of got over the pub years and the party years and we would actually have just drinking at home, then I knew and he knew I was in a safe environment. But I did jeopardise a lot of his friends with my behaviour that wasn't pleasant because of my foul mouth that came out when I was drunk. I never went to the point of um, sleeping with anybody else or doing anything like that. I was always very faithful, but it was just my mouth and my actions that got me into a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, okay. So I assume you had a job when you left home. Yes. Was it difficult to hold down a job and, and drink?
1: no not 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 in the early stages, no, not at all. I was very high functioning I didn't really suffer from hangovers, although looking back now, I must have absolutely stunk of alcohol, and of course driving the next morning, I would have been definitely over the limit but my at my age back then it was almost normal that everybody the 0.05 wasn't quite in everyone's minds at that time.
0: Yeah, it was quite a period, wasn't it, when you'd drive from party to party drunk um, (laughs) those were the days.
1: Yes, 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 yes and I do remember my my mother and father driving would have been 0.05, over 0.05 as well, so I think it's monkey see, monkey do sometimes.
0: Moving out from home then, setting up on your own, so you were high functioning. Yes. Could you restrict your party life to the weekends or were you drinking most of the time?
1: Most, it was mainly on the weekends in my early days of moving out of home. Usually Friday night, Saturday night and sunday lunchtime drinks and then as the time went on it went to perhaps oh look we'll just have a drink on a thursday night as well
0: yeah so did it start to affect your work
1: much later much later it did after i was married yep and had our we had our daughter alcohol really ramped up and kicked in then that's when i noticed people would perhaps look at me a little differently they'd look at my eyes they most certainly would step back from me when i would speak and i'm sure now looking back again that was the alcohol breath
0: so early in your um, marriage then Yes did your drinking create conflict with your husband?
1: Oh yes oh yes, definitely we, um he was very concerned, very concerned. Uh, there was a period that i was had my mother <clears throat> my mother in our care, and looking back. I just couldn't cope with that. I just couldn't cope with it. And my drinking became, uh, mum was still having quite a few wines of an evening. And I then would sneak in, her cask wine was kept in the laundry. And I would sneak in and just drink it straight from the cask just to get that feeling and to stop my mind from the worry of mum, the family, how am I going to get through this? So every night I could actually just pass out and not have to think about anything. Work, I feel, was a release for me because I could think and do other things, but it was as soon as I got home that I, I just knew I, I couldn't cope. I, I couldn't cope with having the dishes to do, the washing to do, the mum to care for, our younger daughter. I just needed that alcohol to give me that buzz to get me through. It was incredible.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, we might take a short break there.
2: The media in this country, we as Indigenous people
0: know, have censored our right of telling the truth, and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular, Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story, our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people, and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're all weapons of mass destruction
2: against our, our people.
0: this is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then either head to your preferred podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, or just Google 3CR Living Free. On our show's webpage, you'll also find details about the Living Free Show and how to contact us. Uh, Today, I'm talking with Jane and we're talking about recovery from alcoholism with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. So Jane, You were married and you had a daughter. So what's it like being an alcoholic and having a child? It must be an awful lot of responsibility.
1: It was a lot of responsibility. You are sent home with this almost wrapped up like a parcel of fish and chips with this child and no instruction manual. And being older, an older mother, it was very difficult I found that being involved with, you know, mother's group, it wasn't really for me because I was older and the other girls were much younger. I didn't fit in. Don't believe that was from the alcoholism. It was just that age gap. And I was so concerned. I think I may have had postnatal depression looking back and That now answers some of my questions about my alcoholism. I was um, eating quickly because our daughter was having a sleep. I was, you know, worrying about if she's sleeping, is she warm enough, is she too cold? Will she sleep through the night? Did I put the cot sides up? I went back to work when our daughter was three months old and it was the day of September 11 and my husband stayed home and my mum stayed home to care for her and everything was fine. And then she was in the care of family and that was a great opportunity for them to, you know, once someone said don't deny the grandparents of being grandparents and it was wonderful. But again, that worry, that stress I I would, you know, cook her vegetables, put them into jars. But as I was doing it, I was drinking. I was constantly drinking. As soon as I would walk in the door, I would just grab a drink for that feeling of, okay, yes, Jane, you've got this, you can do it. And I didn't realise that alcohol was such an almighty crutch.
0: So did you feel
1: you're able to cope better when you drank? Absolutely, yes. I could achieve a lot more things in the house. It gave me that boost of energy. It just took the edge off everything. It just took the edge off my worries, my thoughts. I can multitask at the one time.
0: Did you have any concerns about, you know, drinking too much?
1: I did. But I couldn't face the fact that if somebody said, Jane, you've got to slow down or you've got to back off I would have resented them madly. I would have thought, who are they? They haven't got my life. It's not their business.
0: Yeah, it's um it is difficult, isn't it, in that situation where you need you need a drink but It's not desirable, but it's necessary in your your case. So
1: when you went back to work then, did that give you an outlet? Yes, it did. I felt human and I felt at work I was a people pleaser. I held a very high demanding job down, which involved uh, interstate travel as well. And I could do all of that. And then towards the end, I started to get off the aircraft rather drunk and I would get in the taxi and come home and really sort of couldn't be bothered with the family. It was like, oh, gosh, do I really have to to go home to them and put up with them? Even though I loved them dearly, it was that freedom of being away and drinking alcohol and drinking how I wanted to drink, with nobody watching over me. So did your husband start to get concerned? Very concerned, very concerned. Did he try and help you, stop you? Yes, he would suggest that quite often, and that's when I began my drinking in secret. He Thought I wasn't drinking because I would change it into a coffee cup or I would hide my alcohol in the wardrobe, go into the wardrobe, take a swig, come out thinking he had no idea at all. And of course, I would be coming out swearing my words and not really remembering to turn off the gas stove. And trying to act what I thought was normal, but it was far from it. So, yes, he was desperately worried for a number of number of years. Yeah. So
0: as your daughter grew, did she start to notice your drinking? Yes, yes, yes. So what what was that like for you, seeing your child, I guess, acknowledging the fact that you weren't at
1: full capacity? Heartbreaking. And to this day, it sends shivers down my spine and my blood runs cold. I thought I was hiding it from her as well. She was in primary school and she would have to ring her father and ask him to come home early, which would be five o'clock, and say, mum is drunk again. And I would fiercely deny it to her. And I will be brutally honest here. She did find my alcohol once. And this is how, how far the alcoholism took me. As she was pouring it down the sink, I was fighting with her. She would have been in around about grade four or five. And I slapped her across the face. And that is just one regret I have. But that's where the alcohol took me. It took over me. I, I I cannot imagine to this day now doing what I did. But I have to be honest. I have to be honest. Yeah.
0: So what did your husband do? You know, he's got a, a young daughter. He's got a wife who's drinking, and who's travelling and drinking. Did he try and get help or did he just try and stop you?
1: He suggested help to me and I denied that I had a problem. I was in complete denial. I know that my mother offered me rehab, several friends unbeknownst to me then said to my husband, she needs some help, how can we help? And they were at a a loose end. I, I really don't think they knew about AA then. AA is sort of not well advertised.
0: Yeah, it's not top of mind for people when they see somebody drinking, but a lot of people know about it, but not really about the people who go. They sort of know the organization as a as a thing, but not alcoholics. You know, there's a lot of alcoholics in society and people know alcoholics, but they don't know that they're alcoholics. They just think they're drinkers.
1: That's right. And I, I do remember when I first started Alcoholics Anonymous. I first went when our daughter was in grade six and she was concerned that I was hanging around with alcoholics, which meant I would perhaps be out drinking with them. So that was a really interesting perspective.
0: Yes, she didn't realise you were drinking coffee or something.
1: And having lots of chocolate biscuits and lollies.
0: Yeah. So what got you to AA?
1: A girlfriend of mine who we would have... A Christmas party with each year which was drinking tonic water, and I said to her, "Are you okay?" And she said, "Ah, uh, yep, I'm just on the tonic water." And I thought to myself, "Sharon drinking tonic water—that's really bizarre." So I rang her. And I said, Sharon, do you mind me asking what's going on? And she said, look, I've joined AA. And I said, what, really? You? And she said, yep. And I remember mentioning it to my husband and he said, why don't you bring her back and I said what? Well, This place is all about so I went to her house and she said Jane look you will see a lot of um, writing on the wall it will say God it will say this don't let anything about that scare you from coming so I remember going to my first meeting with her and her daughter and they are still in AA today the same as I am And that first meeting with them changed my life. And I remember driving home from my first meeting thinking, I wonder if someone's actually put those speakers who were speaking up there just for me because who else hides alcohol? Who else does terrible things to their children? Who else does all of this? I started to identify. And I actually felt a little paranoid driving home that night. I passed many a bottle shop that was open. And because I had stayed sober, my goodness, to drive, I thought, "Mm, will I have a drink? Won't I have a drink? I'll just move because the dogs are barking. And, um, then I got home and I thought, oh, look, like I continue in the driveway? What should I do? What should I do? Anyway, I thought, look, they said you, you can actually stop drinking if you come here. I'm thinking, I don't know how. Anyway, that night I stayed up very late and I didn't have a drink and there wasn't any in the house. And I thought, okay. Um, I didn't sleep because I hadn't slept for so long. I had blacked out every night to sleep. And so I remember someone saying, go to a a meeting each day, each day. So I I did. I continued on. And then I realised three days had passed and I hadn't had a drink I think I felt like one. I'm very lucky that I didn't die of an alcoholic seizure. As I understand now, people who stop from drinking every day to blackout, a lot of people do die from alcoholic seizures. And I should have perhaps been in rehab or been under some medical supervision, but I wasn't. I did it cold turkey with AA. And my journey began that night and I've not had a drink since that first meeting. I've been extremely careful with alcoholic, uh, any food, um, any cough mixture, anything that is being cooked with alcohol. Some people do. And that's fine. If they want to have some Christmas cake, that's, that's fine. But I'm, too terrified to have any alcohol now because i do not ever 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 want to go back to where i was in my life with alcohol in it
0: mm. okay well so we might take another short break there
2: oh typical of a man in the western system like hello hello you know all stories might may be important but at the end of the day invasion day you can't compare that to the first fleet because invasion day was the start of a dispossession murder massacres and the total annihilation of some people on a continent that had existed since time immemorial so Scott Morrison if he really wants to lead this country he needs to shut his mouth in regards to those comments and really understand that Australia Day cannot be celebrated. It is a day of mourning for our people, and they would not celebrate the Holocaust. You know, so I don't understand how that is any different than what our people went through, because the genocide continues today. Like, Scott Morrison really needs to take a step back and listen to the voices on the ground, because he's really ignorant in my view.
0: This is the Living Free Show on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And today I'm talking with Jane and we're talking about recovery from alcoholism with the help of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, Jane, coming into AA, going cold turkey off alcohol, so what was the first noticeable thing for you of not, not drinking and being in a program? because you depended on drink for so long to, to make you feel better. So now you're going to, to AA and you're not drinking and you're coping. Mm-hmm. What was the change like for you?
1: The change was incredible, as in uh, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. I would go to meetings and I would feel fantastic. Sometimes I would have to go to a shop and just walk around and clear my mind because I was a bit nervous to go home still sober, as in I was scared that I was going to stop off and buy a drink somewhere. I did eat copious amounts of ice cream with chocolate and strawberry topping. I did do a lot of rocking in the bean bag. I was quite short with the family, as in my words, and I said to my husband, I just can't. I cannot do that washing. I can't go in that laundry. And he said, it's fine. I'll do it. We had very simple meals. We made sure that everything was quite simple at home in my early recovery because everyone was still very nervous at that stage. My daughter was still very, very nervous. She wasn't quite at that stage that she, at that age that she understood completely. And they were still tiptoeing around me and very wary. And then all of a sudden, this change and this trust began to develop again. One afternoon, I was having a soda water with ice in it. And my mother-in-law was over for dinner and my daughter and she were at the kitchen bench whilst I was chopping some salad and I picked up my glass and the condensation and it fell from my hand and my daughter ran out of the house and was so upset because it reminded her of me being drunk. And I said to her when she came back in, she said, Mum, you ruined half of my primary school years and I said to her yes I did but they're all there were also some very good memories I said I can tell you that I won't drink again but what I am going to do is show you so from then everything started to cheer up a little at home and when we would go to parties I would make sure that I was in the kitchen perhaps helping handing out food I had to get myself a different job rather than just be standing around chatting and talking to people I felt like I had to keep on on the move and there were people that were still quite nasty to me looking over their shoulders oh is she in the esky is she getting herself a drink or is she going to get a soda water let's see what she pulls out and uh, I, I got over that. That faded, and I'd talk to my husband and say to him, "Oh gosh, don't worry." He said, "You're home, sober. Everything's fine. It's all okay." But it was it was damn hard work. I was also taught by older sober members to get some service positions, and I now work on the. AA hotline phone. And I remember we were camping, and a gentleman had phoned me, and I didn't realise, unbeknownst to me, that my daughter was listening through the through the tent. And I'm trying to get this fellow from a particular station via a bus. And my daughter poked her head out through the flywire and said, Mum, if he catches this. Bus number from Nunawading Station. He'll be able to get down Canterbury Road, and I just remember bursting into tears of joy. It was just amazing to think that she had finally accepted and understood AA. I suggested Alan on to her, but she's not ready. I have been sober now for just on seven and a little bit years, a day at a time and the world record for sobriety for me is 24 hours. Personal best, yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: So did it affect your relationships with friends, particularly people you used to drink with?
1: Yes. A lot of them really didn't want to know me, and so now I understand that they weren't great friends. So as the friends started to drop off, what did happen is that my family came back as in my my cousins my nieces my nephews i was allowed to drive them to fireworks on a christmas eve i was trusted again i was able to babysit i was able to be a present aunt and cousin my best friend stood by me through thick and thin and she is proud of me. My family is proud of me. And most of all, I'm proud of myself, but there's no way known I could have done it without Alcoholics Anonymous for me.
0: Yeah. So how has it changed your relationship with your husband?
1: Oh, <laughs> we can go out and he doesn't need a backup plan. He can go out and enjoy himself knowing that I'm going to leave the house and come back in the same order that I left the house in <laughs> I won't come back looking like Alice Cooper with makeup running all down my face yeah it's a, it's a, it's a lovely it's a feeling of freedom it's the you know we're far more relaxed and trust that's the most important thing for me is trust it's wonderful,
0: yeah, so did it give you a better appreciation of your parents' drinking when you started to
1: recover yes i I understood it, I understood it and i don't i don't resent them. For their drinking, that was just that era and their genetic makeup. And they must have had a lot of troubles the same as I did. But it wasn't talked about back then. We're so lucky to have that freedom that we're able to speak about our feelings today. And people wanting to understand people a lot more whether they're alcoholic or they're not so what's it
0: like at work now that you're sober and you can do a day's work without 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 alcohol
1: at work it's lovely because I can be me and I am a funny fun loving person but the most important thing is I am trustworthy very trustworthy at work and I know that I'm dependable. If I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. I won't have to go home and get pissed on it and worry about it and worry about how I'm going to do it. Similar to this interview, I I committed to it and was nervous at first, but that's my life now. It's okay to feel a bit nervous. It's okay to feel feelings and learn how to cope with them. Sometimes I go off like a pocket rocket. If the kitchen bench isn't clean, everyone knows the kitchen bench isn't clean. Well, Jane's not, you know, her head space is not right. But when the kitchen bench is good, Jane's good.
0: You know, your, your daughter's obviously you know, grown up a lot since you came into AA so, what's your relationship like with her now that she's she must be what almost 18 or so? Nine,
1: 19, yep, about 19. It, it's excellent. We can talk about AA freely as she is now going to parties. She knows that if she phones me at whatever time of the day or night, I'm able to get in a car and pick her up safely. And it's the trust knowing that she can bring anybody home and mum won't be on the floor and she's quite careful with her alcohol too and I have bought one or two of my AA friends home whom I think who I trust in my home and my daughter has actually sat down and had you know a wrap at the table with us so and she looks at them, looks at these ladies, and she says, Mum, they really are, they were just like you? And I said, yep. I said, yep, we we come in all shapes and forms. An alcoholic doesn't have to be a, a person with a brown paper bag and an overcoat on a park bench. We are very normal people that have just a horrible disease, for me, I believe it's a genetic disease, and I know that there is no cure, but for me to continue with my AA program, and it gives me great joy in helping other unfortunate alcoholics. I do do a lot of service work, and I, I really owe my life to AA.
0: Yeah. People don't really appreciate how much alcoholics sobriety and recovery depend upon helping other alcoholics. So do you want to talk a bit about that, about
1: helping others? Certainly. It When I do go to a meeting, if there is a newcomer in the room, I've learned that they are the most important person in that room because that was once me. And it also reminds me of where I was, and I would like to share with them that there is freedom out there from alcohol. It is hard work. It is tough. And to be gentle and to be kind on themselves, because it is damn hard work, but it's there if you want it. I pick up people from rehabs and take them to AA meetings, and I really just say to them what was said to me. If there is the word God that you may be scared of or there's something on the walls written that you may be scared of, please just look past that and just sit down and listen and listen to what people have to speak about and share from the floor. Sometimes you will like people in AA. Sometimes you won't like them, but we are so fortunate in Melbourne that we have so many meetings to go to that they have such a choice.
0: So how have you found sort of the COVID online meetings? Have they been as good as face-to-face?
1: For me, no. And to be honest, I didn't do a lot of the Zoom meetings because I was Zooming so much at work. I was just Zoomed out and um, that was hard. Now that we are doing face-to-face meetings, there is this sense of relief that people can get out and see each other. And the thing is you can't hide behind that camera you can't turn off you can on zoom you can turn off that camera and people can't see how well or unwell you are and that's the beauty of having a face-to-face meeting and having a newcomer and within about three weeks of not having a drink their eyes look clearer yeah it's so nice to say that to them and give them that encouragement we the Zoom, you couldn't actually have that little after meeting chat or before meeting chat, just to personalise it a little more.
0: Yeah, it's harder one on one, isn't it, to get that one on one in real terms?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. If
0: anybody would like to find out more about Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, then you can phone them in Australia on one triple two or go online at aa.org.au for more information and details of local AA meetings. Uh, That's about all we've got time for today, so I'd like to thank Jane for sharing her recovery experience with us and talking about how AA has helped
1: her. Thanks, Jane. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you so much. It's been great. Uh,
0: I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about food obsessions and feature some members of Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR.
1: Luke Sinclair, raised by eagles.
0: Subscribe to the most important form of media that we
1: have here, not only in this town
0: but in the in the country. Because uh, without community radio, you're only going to hear what. Um, somebody wants you to hear and, and not what is actually uh, really going on
2: uh, around you so not only that they support independent musicians and without community radio most of us would not have a voice at all
0: so i just like to personally say thank you 3CR for, for giving uh, artists like myself an identity and a voice in this town uh, long live community radio subscribe people subscribe keep it alive
2: Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377.